This is Splice. Yay, here we are. Hey, hello, good morning. Good morning. Hi. You're the first one here. Yeah, I gotta be first for my own chat, right? Apart from Chloe, who's listening. Hi, Chloe. Hi, I'm Cheryl's friend. Oh, nice. Cheryl, Cheryl oh, you're you both your friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of journalist yeah. are you? <laughs> Give it about 30 more seconds, I guess. Uh, good morning to Simon and good morning to Jonathan again. Thanks for coming back. Our oh, good friend, Karen, who's here every week. Um, Karen <laughs> the Vera. So good to see all of you. Are we cool? Are we recording? Excellent. Yes, boss. All good. Red lights on. Shall we fire this Anytime up? when you are. Here we go. Hey, welcome to Splice Lo-Fi uh, on July the 29th, 2021. This is our weekly live audio check-in with the Splice community to see, well, basically what's up. You know, what are you guys working on? We're always curious. Um, just a little housekeeping. We're recording this and we'd love for you to speak openly here. But if you want to be taken off the record, please let us know and we'll edit you out in post. Otherwise, this will go out on the interwebs as it is, just right after this recording. Um, we've we've made it part of a little podcast we've started up called Splice Lo-Fi. Uh, put yourself on mute if you're not speaking, but please remember to unmute when you do speak. Uh, I know Alan and I have trouble with that all the time. Uh, remember, this is a conversation, so we'd love to hear your questions. Uh, but if you want, you know, if you have a question and you'd rather not speak it out, put it in the Telegram chat and Alan and I will be happy to do the honors for you. If you miss this again, um, get to the podcast. Um, um, if you missed the live session and um, uh, look, it up, look us up in your favorite podcast app, unless, of course, it's Apple Podcasts, which for whatever reason hasn't added us yet. That's right, and hopefully we can fix that problem sometime soon. I I had to re resubmit the podcast to to Apple. I don't know why that's so hard. Before we get to our guest of honor, uh, Cheryl Lee, uh, we want to talk a little bit about something that we've been working on all year. It's called School of Splice, and just today, this morning, we we announced that publicly. Uh, School of Splice is a training program that we have put together for media startup founders. And the and the media startups that they run, the goal is to is to help uh, provide um, um, you know entrepreneurial skills uh, around running a, a business, but also to understand better what it's what it's like to to create great products that people want in the media space. Uh, so the people that that we're trying to reach are are those of you who are thinking of starting up a media business of your own, or those who are in very early stages of running a media, media business. Um, so all of this is going to be available for you. Uh, Rishad, the, very, the one thing that excites me most is is the audio format around this. Well, exactly. Yeah, I was I was I was uh, excited about that as well when we make so we decided that you know enough Zoom calls, enough um, enough webinars. Um, I think we're all a little um, sick of it all. So we think about this as the anti-Zoom. Um, program and we're doing the entire thing on audio which means you're basically listening to you're basically attending media school on, on in a podcast format and um, the exciting thing about school of splice which has so far been our big secret project um, it's about knowledge obviously as a learning program but it's also network because it's led by the community 
and there's also a not-so-secret funding program that'll come at the end of it. Um, this whole this whole thing is, uh, I mean, you know, don't mean to be talking ourselves up, but this is the program you need to build a viable media business today. Um, everything from business, uh, we've got five stacks, uh, and I promise I'll stop talking uh, as soon as I get this bit out, but <laughs> because we, we need to get to the business of the day, Cheryl Lee, but we've got a business stack because you need to know how to set up your media business. We have a product stack because, hey, media products. Uh, we have an audience stack, which, which you know, we all, we because we're user-centric. We have a management stack because you've got to know how to string people and tools and workflows together to be efficient. And ultimately, uh, the, five, the fifth stack is the careers stack. Um, yeah, get in there, schoolofsplice.com. Uh, check it out. And if you want to want details uh, and if you want to stay in the loop, put your email in there and, um, you know, we'll be in touch. Schoolofsplice.com. Very good. Today, we've got Cheryl Lee uh, to chat with us. She's one of the newest people to pop into our Telegram chat, uh, I think as of last week. And so we we decided, you know, we needed to take the opportunity to get to know her a little bit better. Uh, we're always interested in the community and how, you know, how folks like like all of you on, on this call make your way into journalism. So we, we asked her to talk about her career. Uh, Cheryl, you recently started at Manga Bay. Uh, you're also a new graduate uh, entering the the media space. Uh, tell us how you got to Manga Bay. Yeah, sure. That's a great question because I guess Manga Bay is pretty unconventional kind of role, right? So I guess to give a brief intro, um, what I do at Manga Bay, I'm a Southeast Asia writer. So I cover places like uh, Malaysia, Singapore, Myanmar, and so on. And we mostly focus on things like wildlife, illegal trade, money flows, environmental crime and policy, like just all the environmental news. So earlier on, I said that I was the only Singapore employee at Mongabe. And really how I got my start um, in journalism, and that was how I eventually made my way to Mongabe was at the Straits Times. Like I worked there even uh, before I went to university. So I spent three months at the general desk and like three more months at the business desk. And that was how I realized I really enjoyed the intellectual challenge of business reporting. So I took accountancy and business uh, in university. And after that, like in university, I interned at Bloomberg because they do financial news. And after I graduated, so Manga Bay is actually my second job. Um, my first job is at this science-based media agency called Wildtime Media Group. And after that, I transitioned to Manga Bay because I miss journalism. Anyway, like, I don't mean to list out my resume, so to say, but I just want to say that how I got to Manga Bay was through these many, many different experiences. And I just hope to, like, bring them together, like financial news reporting, as well as um, science journalism, hope to bring that to the environmental scene. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think... So what really excited me about your uh, about your credentials is that you started out uh, well in university at least you know in accountancy and in business and then from there you moved on to science uh, and now the environment right and uh, what what have you taken forward from your from your you know training in accountancy and business uh, to where you are now? 
I'm I'm not sure I took all the training per se because you know accountancy and business it's a pretty specialized course like I, I would be learning like journal entries and like bookkeeping and stuff like that so um, I guess what it gave me is a general appreciation for data I love data and I love to put it in my stories I like charts and I like apart from data I like objective stats in general or even things like satellite imagery um, and I, I think that's what it brought actually, just to the ability to recognize data as like a third perspective um, in your story. So it's not just like this side and that side, but there's also a third objective data side. Uh, though, I mean, of course, sometimes statistics can lie, right? Mm, yeah, and I think the more valuable thing that I actually took away from like being trained in accountancy and business is that I have an appreciation for reporters. I mean, because I spent like four years in business school. So um, like whenever I see a reporter, it's like, oh, you're my friend. You're like my kin kindred spirit. So I mean, I just really appreciate this industry in general. And I think that also helps, like, you know, in terms of like being less jaded and cynical on some days, like, I think to myself like, oh, I could have been an investment banker and like that would be worse for me as a person i think yeah i think it would have been worse for the uh for the general tribe of journalism uh, as well uh, you know we're lucky i think we're all luckier that that you work in in media um i i want to ask about you know it's one thing to have um you know uh, qualifications and a resume but there's always a story behind that right and so I'm curious about what you've learned about working in journalism in the past couple of years that's surprised you. Like how were you were you able, was it familiar territory or was it brand new to you? Hmm, I think that one thing I learned that's interesting about journalism, which I think it makes it different from other jobs I've tried, uh, which which would be like more on a business side, would be like in journalism, you really bring your whole self to work. Um, I wouldn't say that I learned this in journalism in particular. So um, it's the thing that people actually respond to good energy. So like I worked as a part-time tour guide. So I would like bring people around Singapore. And you know, like sometimes it would be raining or when you go to the attraction, there's already a lot of people on the site. So I mean, all these things can be mood dampeners. But as long as you keep everybody's spirits up, then it, actually goes very well and we all have fun so i mean i i think that's something that i transferred to journalism and i learned that it actually works like over the past three years i've tried to apply that and it does work like if you bring positive vibes through your conversation um people just respond to that and it's especially the case i think maybe for environmental journalism because this this sector it can be a little depressing like with things like climate change and then like deforestation resource extraction and all that so yeah i i think like journalism um it's not it's not just a job but it, you actually bring yourself there though i mean i think it's so important to realize that journalism is not our whole identity like we're journalists but we're also more than that but we do bring a lot of ourselves to work compared with other jobs i would say that's really interesting. I've never quite thought about it that way. You know, I, you know, I, we, we often struggle with 
uh, with defining what journalism is, uh, let alone what a journalist does. And, and to hear you talk about it as a whole of self kind of approach is really quite interesting. Um, when, when do you uh, start realizing that? Uh, I guess it was after the tour guiding experience because I realized that since it worked in this other area of my life, I could also transfer these skills that I learned there into my journalism job. And I guess it's just a general realization because, you know, um, like during COVID, it was actually quite a disruption to my journalism career. And I felt quite lost. Like I was freelancing for a while and it's actually really difficult to freelance, right? I'm sure everybody here knows. So I think that was when I started uh, thinking of myself less as a journalist and more as a person. And strangely enough, that actually helps because you see these other areas of your life that you can bring to your work and it enriches your work as well. Yeah, so true. Um, you know, I find it fascinating that you were a tour guide. I, uh, you know, I can't think of better training uh, to tell stories, you know, you're you're kind of walking around telling stories. I've been always envious of you know people at museums, you know, uh, you know who took people who, who you know museum guides and stuff, and and it feels like there's you know it, it it you're putting us in mind, you know, especially as we're building the school of supplies on how training for journalists could be better. You know, spend one month as a tour guide spend one month taking people around the museum, you know, uh, do a business course, um, figure out how to do accounting, you know. Um, what do you feel like if you had to, you know, advise people that came after you, what, what do you feel could be done to prepare future journalists when they enter the field? What would, how would you advise them? Mm -hmm. I think that that's a great question. And I think would probably approach it from the angle of, a student journalist looking to enter the field. I mean, only because I just graduated recently. And uh, actually for a while, I was student representative of this organization. It's called Asian American Journalists Association. So I was in charge of like recruiting new student members and also like hearing their concerns and what our programs can do to benefit them. So I think like what can be done to prepare um, people when they enter the field is that I think there's just this huge hunger among student journalists for advice and for mentorship. So I'll get like random students texting me for advice. And then um, last year, AJA actually organized this conference and it was like a virtual event and there, were, there was a student program. So we had some young reporters who talked about how they got started in their career and it was super well attended. Like many student journalists came and they just stayed like way long after the session to ask so many questions because they were just so interested and eager to get started in the field. So I think um, what can be done to help them and prepare them would be just to get like some kind of mentorship from somebody who's already in the industry, um, just to give them that kind of confidence when they start because it, it can be quite scary. Like when you start, you don't really have much experience, not even a newsroom and then you are just, trying to send out your resume and get some kind of reporting experience, it can be very difficult. Um, so, so I think it's important to have that kind of community support, like um, say at AAJA or even somewhere else like Spice, right? So um, that, that's one point. 
I think apart from community support, my second point would be to let them know which fields are more in demand. So I don't think that all journalists come from journalism programs, right? Like there are people from linguistics, there are people from business or like environmental studies, and all these are very valuable and it just helps to know which things are hot right now. So for example, I think like business is hot, China news, technology, um, and, and just to let them know that they can have a head start if they specialize in these areas. Like it doesn't need to be a niche forever, but it's just something that you take with you wherever you go. Like for example, I started in business, I, I'm not doing financial news now, but it's just something that informs my worldview and the way I report, I think. Yeah, you definitely so have a lot more too. insight into this uh, compared with where I was, you know, two years into my journalism career. I think this is fantastic to see. Um, I think this is a great time. I mean, you you talked about community. We've got a great community here at Splice. Uh, this is a great time to get uh, those of you on a call uh, to jump in with advice for Cheryl. I see a lot of... Uh, journals here, people who worked in the industry for a very long time. Uh, what is the best advice that you can give someone like Cheryl today? Um, or I think like we also have student journalists in the audience because like some of these are my friends, which I ask uh, whether they would like to join. So I guess if they have any questions to you guys will be happy to advise, right? Yes, if, if all the old journals have no advice, uh, let's hear it from the new journals. Let's do it. Rishad, I have a question and advice. Fantastic. Oh, you're the best for this. Thank Bring you, it on, Karen. <laughs> um, which what should I ask first? So I guess the question first, because I think it might relate to the advice later, is that you know, um, uh, you know, uh, the Singapore media space is, especially the you know the old guard publications. It's it's uh, in a that's how we say a new a new frontier of ha having to um, you know, uh, determine what kind of presence they can have uh, for the public in Singapore. And so, my, so I guess my question is, you know, um, you know, how do, you know, being with the young people you have, your, your classmates being a fresh grad, how do you want to be engaged to be told such important information about environment or, you know, your your political your political situations or world news, um, because is it? I I'm sure Alan and Rashad struggle with this all the time. It's like, how do you want to be engaged? How what stories would be would be valuable to you that there would be a publication to host the stories in? I mean, what is the way to reach people in that from an old person for the people in that generation? That's a hard one. Uh, who wants to ever? I mean, it just just, uh, just in your 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 daily day to day experience, how do you want to be told information? I guess is the basic question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I can start. Um, so I think like there are some ways in which this has worked. So for example, one topic is personal finance, right? And there's this really popular social media page called the Work Salary Man. I don't know, Karen, have you heard of it? Um, or can yeah, you say sorry. it again? What was it? It's called the woke salary man. The woke salary man. So, okay. Yeah. How did you hear of the woke salary man? How did, how did it engage you? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so it's a personal finance page and how they go about teaching people concepts is through comics. So um, since Instagram, for example, is a visual-based medium, like you will be able to understand these really um, complicated finance concepts through drawings. And it's really fulfilled a niche because there are many Singaporean things like CPF and other kinds of important information that I suppose the audience does skew towards younger people. So like younger people starting out need to know and they just do it in a very digestible form. And lots of my friends follow it. They have like a few hundred thousand followers on their platforms like Facebook and Instagram. And it's just really convenient because like we are always scrolling through social media all the time. And then like you see this helpful thing pops up and it's really relevant to your life and how you manage your finances. So then you so then you just like become a follower of the page. And the engagement is really good as well. So um, you know, Instagram they have stories, which is uh where the person running the account can interact with the audience. They can say like ask me a question, and then people will actually ask questions and you respond. It's like a friendly conversation. So I think um it's just moving from a more top-down kind of thing to a more like conversational kind of style and that's really been helpful and i think that's the way a lot of people do like to consume content these days i think that's a great example uh the work salary man you know as a as a format has been really quite compelling uh especially for for a topic as difficult as as uh you know as as personal finance right um it's it's really quite a remarkable little company as well it's it's uh it's a two-person company much like splice uh, and uh very very lean as well uh, one guy is a is an artist and the other guy is um i guess what you call someone who packages the format <laughs> for for distribution uh but it's a it's a really cool little team uh so you should definitely check that one out walksalaryman.com i believe that's that's what it is yeah, I remember, you know, anybody that started out in, in, a, in a startup, uh, we used to say you have to have a, a hacker, a hustler and a design person, you know, and sometimes you can be both uh, of those. I have no idea. I've lost track of which one of us, Alan, is uh, a hacker or a design person or the hustler. Uh, who knows? But, you know, that brings me to like other advice, you know, um, you know, please jump in. Uh, you know, there's a lot of lot of uh, deep uh, wisdom and knowledge in the room. So please jump in with advice. I, um, you know, I was wondering about branding. Like, what about personal branding, Cheryl? You know, is that something journalists need to understand? How to brand yourself and how to market yourself, that kind of thing? Personal branding. Yes, I think it's super important. And I've seen like lots of colleagues use it to great use. I mean, even in terms of like getting to know sources and getting tips from random people. Um, I would say I'm not really the best expert at personal branding. Like if you look at my Twitter, it has like 200 followers or something. So I don't know, maybe somebody here who is more experienced and has built some kind of following can chime in. I mean, even like Ellen or Richard, right? At Slice. Uh, I don't think I have any specific kind of advisor on Twitter. I mean, you know, Twitter is a is a funny beast just because it has almost everybody on it, and trying to get engagement with everybody is often a difficult thing. Uh, obviously, like like all things, you want to be able to interject yourself into a conversation where you can add value. Uh, and Twitter is just 
kind of hard for that one, I would say. I think if I had to do it all over again, and if I had to think about all of this again, I would enter a a, a space that was a little less crowded. Uh, so today, that would be you know new formats, uh, for example. Uh, you know, uh, Clubhouse was a thing until it wasn't a thing. Uh, and uh, you know, if you look at also spaces like um, like LinkedIn uh, is a very very those are unique because it's very niche. The people that you interact with are people who who are in your professional space and everyone has a name and everyone is identifiable. So I think these types of factors do do make, you know, uh, well, these have, have, a, have a role to play in, in building a personal brand. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you know, I think um, I'm always interested in new formats, you know. I mean, Clubhouse, arguably, we like to say, is, has gone from being a product to a format or a feature. But, like, I'm always interested in, you know, as, as us old people like to say, what the new kids in the, in, in, in the room are doing. Like, what are, where can you do different stories? Where can you do more effective stories? Where can you reach better community, you know, communities? for whom your content is is more relevant or valuable in in whatever way and it's it's this is why we do this whole careers thing you know this is why we have people like Cheryl on or you know and or you know the other uh, younger journalists in the room because we we're kind of here to learn uh, we're able to give you a platform on our telegram chat for uh, and our podcasts but we're also here to learn from you where you think the new audiences are, where you think better stories can be told more effectively. Um, I want to I want to ask uh, Cheryl and obviously everybody else uh, something we always ask: How can the Splice community help you with your career? Um, we're always here, but uh, we'd love you to tell us if there's something we can do. Uh, hi, Richard and uh, Ellen. Yeah, uh, is it okay if I ask a question? Of course, Jonathan, go for it. Right. So uh, go I'm, for Cheryl's, it. I'm Cheryl's friend, uh, and uh, she invited me into the Splice community, uh, community. I just joined this morning, so I'm, I'm excited to really take part. Uh, my question is, um, you know, I'm pretty sure that every journal in this room has a funeral story, right? Um, and I think um, in, in light of what has been happening, you know, um, the reportage over at River Valley High in Singapore, um, it, it gets me a little scared at times, I'm not going to lie. Um, in fact, the first ever funeral I went down to, uh, my pastor was the pastor of the funeral. So it was a very tricky situation for me. I just wanted to ask you, how do you deal with uh, sensitive uh, type reporting? You know, um, and people on the ground are going to hate you uh, anyway. How do you deal with that? And, and yet, how do you report with, uh, with um, intention and, and clarity? I think that is my first question. That is a really good and very hard one. Um... Uh, I would, you know, I I, <laughs> uh, I don't want to do this, but I think Nicholas Young here probably has a lot more experience than 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 you know most of us do in this kind of reporting. Uh, you know, Nick's work has always been very thoughtful and very mindful of of the context. So if uh, if Nick, you want to jump in with advice on that one, that's great. Uh, <clears throat> funerals are probably uh, the hardest kind of uh, so-called event to cover besides uh, uh, court stories and, and uh, anything involving you know uh, a death like. so I, I I don't know if 
I, I think my only advice would be to be as respectful as possible. Like, uh, there's been there's been a lot of uh, talk about reporters apparently harassing uh, River Valley High students, like, right? Uh, over the over the the recent death, I, I was on the scene. I didn't see any of that. Uh, but and and I can't speak to what was or was not uh, done, right? But again, the my only advice would be to be uh, respectful, to to be mindful that uh, a person has a person has died, and if the relatives don't want to speak, if the friends don't if the friends don't want to speak, there's not a whole lot you can do, lah. But uh, in terms of approaching them, it's about timing and sensitivity, la. You you never know what how they will respond. I mean, okay, about ten years ago, right, there was a mass food poisoning incident in Geylang Serai. There was a very fast developing story. Like suddenly there was a death, suddenly there were two deaths. And I remember I, I was still very new at uh, Straits Times, so I went to the funeral of the first lady who died, and I was very nervous. But the relatives actually welcomed the reporters. They said. Uh, we want to find out why our our relative died. How how can a person die of food poisoning? That's what one of them said to me, and they actually shared the death certificate with us, right? So, uh, in that sort of situation, you know, they, obviously the family wants answers, lah. But in other situations, you know, they they uh, clearly they are very distraught and they, and they don't want to talk to you. Sometimes you slam the door in your face. Uh, the I think last sometime earlier. No, last year, right? So I went to a funeral, and uh, the sister was very hostile, and basically just told us to get lost, la. So uh, there's not a whole lot you can do. You respect their wishes, la. So uh, yeah, I mean, you you do your job, and uh, you want to tell the story, and you try your best to be persuasive and to be compassionate and respectful. But if they say no, then you have to learn to back off, la. You know, it's amazing to to hear you say all this, uh, Nicholas, because you're, I mean, you're, it, it goes back to, to just being a good human being. You're trying to be respectful, compassionate, um, you know, and it feels like, it feels like any good conversation between people. I always, I always wonder at the courage of journalists. I've never been a journalist myself. I've always designed products for journalists and for their audiences. But it strikes me that you you have this weird job where you have to be curious about somebody's life. You have to get in their faces and get up, get up all up in their business, um, you know. And and I think there's uh, one person told me, you know, ages ago in a newsroom, that the the best journalists are the worst kind of people. And I kind of didn't really agree with that but i can understand what he meant but i i feel there's also a better way of doing it right you can just be the best kind of person just just uh, by being compassionate and respectful if i can I, follow up to that uh, sorry uh just for jonathan as well just remember your mandate of why you're there what are you supposed to be collecting and and, and gaining and what store you know what what outcome does the, do you need from a funeral story which is very private and painful what do you need out of that story what story has to be told and if you can remember that i think it can and following nick's you know um nicholas's advice to like approach with respect i mean that's i think 
And for any story, just remember what your mandate is. That's amazing. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, uh, thank you, Nick, especially for for letting me jump on you there. Um, so, guys, we're we're running slightly over now, and I know we're we're onto a very important topic. But I think you know what we should do is probably to to find you know a better way of of capturing some of these you know bits of knowledge uh, in in future uh, you know um, future weekly calls like this. Uh, I think there's a lot of of important bits like that, you know, all of us want to be better at what we do from, you know, from a compassionate point of view, uh, from an empathetic point of view, and especially in a in a week like this in in Singapore where we've got, you know, a, a school murder. Uh, this is definitely um, of interest. Uh, so with that, I would like to kind of bring this to a close. It's uh, thirty six minutes past the hour now, uh, and I want you to get back to whatever you were doing on uh, Friday morning. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for joining us today. Thank you, Cheryl, for for allowing us to uh, to tap on you for you know for for the knowledge that you have um, and experience in this space. Uh, very thankful for that. Uh, also, thank you for uh, for bringing all your friends uh, to this call today. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ellen and Richard. It was a really enlightening conversation, and I really love how everybody just jumped in at the end to give advice and have a conversation. I mean, I think that's um, earlier on you were asking like how can spice help, right? I think that that's like a really good example of knowledge sharing from more experienced journalists to younger ones who are really eager. So I mean, thank you so much for today. Hey, this is why we do this this job. This is why we have Splice. We we it's just our excuse to be part of this amazing community. We're so lucky to be part of. Uh, listen, thanks for being here. If you miss this live, you'll find the recording in your favorite podcast app or on splicemedia.com. And please subscribe. Uh, also, please get in touch to let us know who you'd like to hear on Splice Lo-Fi next week or the weeks after. We'll catch you next Friday, 11, 11 o'clock Singapore time. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. This is Splice. Bye. Bye.